Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 21st. And today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 17, third paragraph, starting with the tremendous fact. Today's readers are Esther, Hoodie, Marsha, and Paula. And the reference number for Monday, May 20th, is 4502. That's 4502. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deborah to read the 12 steps, please. And Deborah, you'll need to press star one to unmute hi, the phone. Yeah, hi, here we are. Hi, good morning. This is Deborah from New Jersey, compulsive overeater. One. We admitted, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that our power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcohol, to include addicts, I'm sorry, to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. I will now ask Anne S. to read the 12 Traditions, please. Hi, good morning. This is Anne from Pennsylvania, the 12 Traditions. I am a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group shall be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 17 and we're in the third paragraph. Um, it, can everyone make sure that their phone is muted please? I can hear some background noise. Uh, thank you so much. I will now ask Esther to begin reading, please. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. So in the previous paragraph, we we, we spoke about how we are people who would normally not mix. So what is it that binds us together? It's not, one would think, the fact that we have the same problem with food. Because if that were the case, then we could belong to any number of the diet and food groups out there because those dozens and dozens of uh, ways of dealing with food problems, all those people have the same, uh, same problem we have, right? They can't stop eating. We're joined um, for a different reason, and that's because 
we've got a common solution. It's the solution which binds us, not the problem. As a matter of fact, the 12-step fellowship began not when a bunch of alcoholics got together and said, we've got a problem drinking, let's you know talk about it, share about it. That wasn't it. It was when one found a solution that worked, shared it with another, and then they in turn shared it with others, and that's the way the fellowship grew. The fellowship grew out of the solution. The solution did not grow out of the fellowship. And this is what I'm learning in this paragraph, that um, this is the great news that they're about to tell all of us. We've got a solution. We want to share it with you. We're bound together by that solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Hello, this is Rose. Rose, go ahead, please. Thank you, Christy. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And um, this, um, what Esther just said in terms of um, this first sentence, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. And um, again, sharing my experience on that sentence alone is that I was in the OA Fellowship for a very long time unrecovered and um, for myself I I never say it was relapse or slipping I was just eating self-willed as a result of having a disease that I was not aware uh, of because I had never been taken through this big book with the instructions and the solution Um, I was bound to eat um, because of an allergy to the body and a, a twist in my mind that was way more powerful than I had ever found, thinking I could beat the game, and I never did. When I began coming through the steps, the way they're laid out in this big book, which was the common solution, again, the um, the uh, I, I then was joined in brotherly and harmonious action with the fellowship, with the people that had done the steps also, and they had experienced as what has happened been happening to me over this past year um, a personality change and a psychic uh, transformation that was promised as I began the steps and now being in um, the latter steps nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, um, watching the results and uh, it, it's a very specific recovery that is totally contingent upon what was said here, that this is the great news this book carries to those who suffer. But one, as I did in my case, had to know what that that news was and what that solution was. It's not just, uh, you know, a, a casual suggestion. It's a very specific set of instructions. Thank you for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rose. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive reader. No, I'm just going to take that tremendous fact. But before that, I'm just going to back it up just a tad bit. And we come to the feeling of having shared in a common peril. Okay, we know that part is one element. It says one, so there's more than one. One won't do it. And now as powerful as it is, because it uses that word, cement would bind us. That's what brings me here. Fellowship is what brings me here, but what keeps me here? 
there we go. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. That's what keeps me here. That's spiritual fit. That's why I come here. I need to work it out every single day, for I do not know what the day will hold. But then it says we have a way out. Whoa. Can you imagine what we were always seeking? Oh, can I just get out of this? At one time it was, could I just get out of life itself? Because I don't know how to live it. But look what it gives us. A way out on which we can absolutely agree. And upon which we can join. There it is. In brotherly and harmonious action. The other element. The spiritual. This is the great news. And I love the way he says it. And that's what he ends with. This is the great news. Not just news. Good news. No, great news that this book carries. That's what it brings to those. And do not under this word suffer. Suffer we do. Suffer we do. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share in this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This is the great news this book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism. You know, I said and I hear people say, you know, I've been in and out of program for 15 years and I just don't get it. I just keep picking up. And we have to understand the program of recovery is in this book. It's not in the fellowship. There are two AAs. There are two OAs. There is the fellowship of OA, and there is the program of recovery, which is contained in this book. And I work that fellowship hard. But the fellowship is still human aid. And the fellowship is powerful. And the fellowship can support us. But if we want that psychic change, if we want that spiritual experience, we have to get in the program of recovery, which is in this book. You know, and it would be wonderful if I could take this book and I could stick it under my pillow and I could wake up in the morning and I would be recovered. But even reading this book is not enough. The change comes from applying the principles, applying the steps, doing the work. So this book carries this incredible solution, but the solution is only available if we work this book. So, for example, you know, when I lost all the weight, I started to skiing. So if I decide I want to ski, and I read a lot of books on skiing, and maybe I watch TV ski matches, and I can even sit at the bottom of a mountain at the, at the fireplace drinking a hot chocolate, watching people ski down the mountain, is that going to mean I'm a skier? No, I have to get the instructions and then I have to go on the mountain and ski. That's when I become a skier, not when I read the books, not when I watch other people ski. I have to get that experience for myself. And that's the great news this book carries. But it carries it. We have to apply it. I go to a meeting, and I love it. I'm going to paraphrase it. says, the, the purpose of this meeting is we're going to take the program of recovery that we're currently working, compare it to the program in the book, and make adjustments where necessary. Now, in my arrogance, in my early recovery, I would have thought, well, I'll change the book because I want to work my program. That never worked. 
I look at the program I'm currently working on, compare it to the program in this book, and then I apply the program in this book, and I will get the results that this book promises. Because this is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Yes, hi, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says here, uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. And, uh, you know, that's how do you take uh, over 200 people uh, on a meeting Monday through Friday and create harmony, you know, when they might be coming from all different facets of Overeaters Anonymous and all different uh, nooks and crannies of the globe. Well, how you create that harmony is by standing on a common solution. What is that solution? It says we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree. What is that way out? Well, the great news that this chapter is carrying, that this book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism or for you and I, compulsive overeating, is the message of hope that's coming out of the solution in step two. Step one is the problem. Step two actually is going to be the solution. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is, in essence, going to be the solution. Step three is a decision. Step four through nine are the action steps that we take. So that step two is that message of hope, that a power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity. And that is what we agree upon. You know, there was no mental defense. We had no mental defense against that first bite. There was no mental defense for you and I against that first bite. You know, not our inner strength not our willpower, not our determination, not any kind of self-knowledge. What was it going to be that was going to restore us to sanity since that was a greater aspect of our disease? Well, what's going to restore us to sanity is a relationship with a power greater than ourselves. I'll just flip to page 153 for a second and read a very powerful paragraph that fits in very well with this one. It says, it may seem incredible that these men are to become happy, respected, and useful once more. How can they rise out of such misery, bad repute, and hopelessness? The practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. Should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. So this paragraph, this whole chapter, shouts the good news that you don't have to live in that misery anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to continue to dig uh, the ditch further into the disease of compulsive overeating. You do not have to. There is a way out. If you are willing to follow the directions, there is a way out. So there are two kinds of people that come into 
these rooms are onto this line. Those that are going to recover and those that won't. And do you know whose choice that is? Whose choice is that on, on which column you end up in? The choice is each one of us individually. Am I going to work this program as if my life depends upon it? Because there is a way out. It says, we have found a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer. There is a way out, and this is open to everybody, and you can trust those that are recovered that this works. You know, we're like a, a big show-and-tell operation. Those people that are recovered are living proof that some power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity. There is no motive for us to lie. This is not theatrical uh, production every morning. We don't get together ahead of time and decide uh, what kind of uh, you know, antics we're going to present on the line. This is real stuff. This is real stuff here, and it is available to anyone who wants to pursue it as if their life depends on it, or pursue it like you pursued your binge food. And that is the great message of hope. Relapse is not hope. Relapse is not hope. The fact that people say, I was, I was abstinent for three months and then I fell off, or absent for six months and then I fall, that's not a message of hope. That's a message of progression. That's a message of this is the reality of the disease, that it gets worse, never better. But what recovered people have to say and what these people had to say who pen these pages is we don't have to live like that anymore. We can live a life that's happy, joyous, and free. We have a solution that works. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Well, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, I just I love this page. This is such a great page. You know, they're, they're telling us, first of all, that there is a solution. There is a solution. What a wonderful thing to hear for someone like me. I needed a solution. I didn't come in here. I didn't come into OA because I didn't have anything better to do. I did not come in here because I, you know, I wanted to meet people you know, and see what this crazy recovery thing was all about. I came in because I was desperate. I came in because I knew I had a problem. I didn't know what my problem was. I didn't know the true nature of the problem. It wasn't until, you know, I cracked open the doctor's opinion of this big book and had people tell me, show me, you know, read this, Christy, you know, read this, listen to our stories. You know, we have also cracked open the the pages of the big book in the doctor's opinion, so we're very clear about what our problem is. You know, I have a physical allergy. You know, I can't, I have, a, I have an abnormal reaction to, to food, you know, certain foods especially for me, sugar, fat, flour, volume, you know, whatever. Um, but the greater aspect of my disease is my mind because I will obsess about that food. I will obsess about that food and it will put me in a vicious cycle until I kill myself until I kill myself. I mean, there's just no, there's no way out of that vicious cycle. There's no way out of that vicious cycle until, you know, I'm presented with the solution. You know, here's the true nature of your problem, and here's how you can be recovered from that problem, be recovered from that problem. And it says that on this page, you know, nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink 
problem, not on their own, you know, not by throwing everything they possibly could at it, but because they followed what is outlined in this book. That's the solution on which they could all agree. Um, what I love about this as well is, you know, I mean, it reminds me kind of like the same thing Leah was just saying, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be trapped in a burning building, you know, um, or on a sinking ship or in, you know, the bottom of a mine or after a plane crash. I mean, use your analogy. But for me, I would not sit around in a burning building and say, I am trapped in a burning building. I would not say that to myself over and over again. It might be a millisecond for my brain to process the fact that I'm trapped in a burning building. And then I would give it everything I had, I hope. I would give it everything I had to get out. How do I get out of here? How do I get out of here? I would not sit around for years and say, wow, I am trapped in a burning building. And that's what my recovery looked like. That's what I did. I talked about how, you know, how fat I was. You know, and at 340 pounds, you know, how much did I need to talk about how fat I was? What I really needed, what I wanted more than anything eventually, because the disease did its job on me, is that I wanted to get out. I wanted out. I wanted out. I am trapped in this prison. I am trapped in this prison of compulsive overeating, and there is no end in sight. There is no end in sight. I was desperate. I was as desperate as the dying can be. And that's where I needed to be before I said, get me out of here, and I don't care what I have to do. I have to come to believe in a power greater than myself. Sign me up. I don't care. I don't care. I will even, I will even give up food. I'll give up my way of trying to get out of here. I will give up my way of trying to figure out how to get out of here. Help me. Help me, help me. And um, that was all I needed. It was pretty simple. And, um, you know, people showed me, people showed me, you know, the solution, and thank God, it saved my life, and I have not found it necessary to pick up since September 9th of 2001, not once, not once. Not only that, but the desire to compulsively overeat has been removed from me, been removed, miracle against all miracles. You know, I've been maintaining the same weight, you know, a doctor-prescribed weight, you know, my BMI, all of my numbers, everything normal for 10 years, for 10 years. And that's not something I ever could have imagined. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this particular paragraph before we move on? Hi, Katie. Uh, Katie, why don't you go ahead and then we'll uh, get some other folks here to pitch. Go ahead, Katie. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, I just love these two paragraphs. Yesterday I thought that cannot all be in that one paragraph because there's such, um, you know, things that I think about and, and hear, uh, hear quotes on. But, um, but the thing I want to focus on is that um, we have discovered a common solution. And unlike, you know, the, all these analogies of, one-time events of emergency situations where, you know, people pull together and they, um, 
you know, they get out of the burning building, they get off the ship, they, you know, find their way through the storm, whatever it is, you go on with your your life, you know, you go on with your life after that. And that's what I was looking for. I wanted to lose weight. I came here because I was fat. And I had no idea that I had a living problem. And so this, you know, what he's saying in this uh, previous paragraph, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. Because now I am joined with my fellows on how to live one day at a time free from the obsession with food. That, you know, I have a living problem that is with me, which, you know, basically the whole human race has a living problem. But for me, my, uh, my solution was different than the normal person. My solution was to numb feelings, was to check out of life, was to take the easiest route possible and to identify out and say, my life is harder than yours. And what this common solution tells me is we all have problems. We all need a uh, higher power. And we all need instruction on a daily basis on how to live through life. This isn't a checklist of, you know, uh, 1, 2, 3, or 1 through 12, as it were, that we go through that once and then we move on. I mean, there's 190-some people on this line right now, and, you know, I don't know how many of us have, you know, over two decades of recovery. And it's not because we're stupid that we get on this line every day and we haven't figured it out. We have figured it out. And we want to share with the newcomer and with the person facing, you know, the first crisis they've ever had or, Um, the worst crisis you can imagine, we want to help them to realize that whatever life brings you, you do not have to go back to that way of life. We don't go back in the burning building. We don't get back on the sinking ship. You know, we say there is a way out. There is a solution. And that solution works in every aspect of our life that once you've put the food down, once you've made all your amends, once you've done all these things, you still have, you know, hopefully decades of life to live. And we are not rewired. We are not cured. We have a reprieve based upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And we cannot have that if we say, well, thank you very much, see you later. I have to work this program every day. Every day. I get up and I work this program. I get on my knees and I thank God for recovery. I thank God for the problems in my life and turn them over to him. There is a solution and it's not a uh, one-time thing, you know, a formula that, um, you know, my experience may not be your experience. But I can tell you that I've been through everything except my own death and have not had to pick up disappointments. Just I could list things for the next 20 minutes of things I have gone through and I have not had to pick up the food. And I didn't know how to not pick up the food for an hour after I woke up in the morning. So, you know, this program works. But as Leah said, it works if you work it. It's not a theory. It's a way of life. 
With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Why don't we Janice. move? Janice, why don't you go ahead and then we'll move on to the next paragraph. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, the feeling, the feeling that we get, you know, having shared in that common peril and now having joined together in a common solution is like no other feeling you can imagine. It's like no other feeling you can imagine. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I know for me the only way, the only way I was going to be ready to face this thing was to be desperate and doomed and done. It was the only way. It was the only way. Until that point, I was going to try every other imaginable, available method. And believe me, I did. I did. I tried every imaginable remedy and nothing worked and nothing worked until you all told me your stories of what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. And I tell you, there was something in your eyes. There was something in what you were telling me that struck a chord deep within me, deep within me. And I knew I knew that I was like you and that if it worked for you, if there was this common solution, then it could work for me. I don't know how I came to believe that. All I know is I did. All I know is I did. And, you know, that's, that continues. That continues to this day. You know, it's a happening. It's still happening today. It's still happening today. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree. And you don't have to agree with me. I don't know if you're a compulsive overeater. I don't know if this will be your way out. But I know it was my way out. You know, I heard people say things about what was wrong with them, and it struck a chord. And I said, oh, my that's what's wrong with me. I think that's what's wrong with me. You know, your experiences showed me that the very things that you were fighting against were the things I had been fighting against. And you told me I didn't have to fight anymore. That there was a way out. And boy, once I could absolutely agree on that, one day at a time, you know, I grabbed hold. I grabbed hold. And we can join together in brotherly and harmonious action, it says. Action, action, action. Action is the magic word. And when we take those actions, remarkable things happen. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Why don't we turn the page. Uh, Hoodie, would you please read at the top of page 18 for us? Good morning, Christy. This is Hoodie. Hi, this is Hoodie, um, a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, thank you. um, An illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it an illness, 
involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him and no one is angry or hurt. But not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation of all the things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. Wow, it just brings tears to my eyes that I'm reading this um, paragraph, this illness. And when I read this paragraph and I really, and I came to this group and you all told me in the doctor's opinion about this illness, of what I suffer from, that this illness is a twofold illness. Not only do I have an allergy of the body, which ensures and, and had my, my body demand more once I ingest my substance, but I have even a worse problem, and that is my mind. And just like someone with a terminal illness, that other people around them, they accept the fact that this illness is terminal. They don't blame them, and they're supportive and helpful. And it's not so with this illness, this mental obsession that um, I suffer from. And um, this obsession of mine that is so powerful, we're, 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 treated, we're not treated with the, the help that, that we need. And um, I'm so, so grateful for this program. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. And I wanted to turn to um, a page, page 82 in the big book where um, I feel really um, connects to this paragraph, the bottom paragraph. The alcoholic is like a tornado whirring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came out of his cyclone cellar to find his home wound. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? And I just... It really touches all other people. Other people even notice before the alcoholic, before the compulsive overeater, like myself, um, that the life is terminating. I'm just so grateful today that I have this program of recovery. I'm a, I have the, I get to use the 12 steps to help me in my daily life to learn how to live. And for the first time, I'm just appreciating who and what I am, who God intends for me to be. And, um, you know, and just stick, just um, stay on my side of the street and not rain on, you know, put rain on other people's parade. It's about me. And today I could take, I could get myself out of this denial that it's about me. Um, and I could give the help and let these children who are, um, are in my care, let them have the life that it intends to be. And um, I could just separate me and just so I'm just so grateful for all those of you who went before me who took the time to teach me and to guide me of how to work these 12 steps in all my affairs and with that I pass thank you for letting me read thank you hoodie would anyone else like to share on this paragraph this is Lois may I share sure Lois go ahead hi good morning everyone this is Lois recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts and um, you know this is this is such a uh, it, it hits you like it hits me like a ton of bricks that this is about the truth of 
you know, this disease that we have, this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. And and while this was happening to me, you know, I really, my disease prevented me from knowing it. You know, I really, you know, it changed my, the perception in my, uh, in my brain. And I, I believe that all of these things that were, that I believed were true, you know, and it says that it um, annihilates, excuse me, I lost my play, the annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. And, and what, what came right to mind for me was, you know, as, as a recovered person, I can look back at my disease and what I've learned in recovery that um, the first thing it annihilated, it annihilated me from myself. You know, it robbed me of uh, my spirit of hope. You know, um, I had always, you know, had good values in life and, and wanted to just be the best I could be in all my simple roles in life and to be, be, a, be a very good person. And this disease has robbed, had robbed me of the desire and the ability to do that. And it, it, it uh, poisoned my mind. You know, I have a disease of the mind, the obsession of the mind, which always brought me back to making it okay to pick up the food again. It always brought me back. And, and the way it did that was to twist my thinking, you know, that this, 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 was, this happened to me, that happened to me, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. And, and so my values in my life were, you know, annihilated as well. And the more annihilated I got, the bigger my disease got, the smaller, you know, the, the love of my family and, and the goodness that I was trying to achieve in life became smaller. The bigger the disease, the smaller, you know, the, the uh, things worthwhile. And, and, um, and I began to put everything ahead of what I wanted to do and what I needed to do. You know, and thank God, thank God. I do thank God every day, you know, for a gift of life, a gift of recovery, and the ability, you know, to uh, be there for, for others and to uh, practice these principles in all my affairs, for which I'm eternally grateful. And I know that for me, you know, recovery means working these steps every day. You know, I was taught that, you know, I could read this in the book, I could read the common solution, but why couldn't I do it? You know, I could read it. I, was, I used to always, I love to read. I'm a seeker. I read the common solution. Okay, then, now I know it, right? Knowing and doing, you know, is a journey of a thousand miles. And I was unable to do that. And no matter what I did, I could not, I could not practice this common solution. And it wasn't until, you know, like other people mentioned, I was desperate enough. I, was, I could not do this. I needed God. And, and uh, I was beaten down enough to hear that and to, and to swallow that and to beg God, you know, please help me. I can't do this. And um, God does answer prayer. He was there, and he will be there for everyone who asked him. So with that, I'll pass and give other people a chance. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Hi, Esty. Esty, why don't you go ahead? Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Esty, compulsive overreader, wanting to recover. Um, First of all, thank you so much, everyone, whoever has read and shared. This is such a powerful meeting, and I find this is really my medication. Um, I keep hearing that the medication is to do what's outlined in the big book and not just to listen, but I guess it starts with listening. And um, thank God that today I am abstaining so I can see the truth and I can um, really, really see the problem and identify with 
of what's being read, and especially the words that someone um, read before about um, when I'm in the food, I lose track of everything. I uh, Nothing else appeals to me other than food. And it's so sad. It's not just sad, it's killing. But when I'm in the food, I can't think of anything else. I lose all other pleasures. Nothing is as exciting as food, and nothing comes close to it. When I'm in the food, all I want is more food. And nothing else that makes me happy today, whether it's, you know, my two-year-old starting to talk or playing with my four-year-old or just having nice family time or doing some artwork or just enjoying the beautiful weather and, and the world outside, the birds chirping that I can enjoy today, there's nothing there that can catch my attention other than food. And regardless of if I have money with me or not, or if um, I need to buy something more important, I'll just take the money and I'll use it for food. And, and anything, like, it's just, it's so despairing, even just to think about it, where I can be if I don't, if I'm not vigilant and if I don't keep my guard up. I, I can be there in a split second, just again, in the food, with nothing else. There could be nothing else to comfort me or nothing else to gladden my heart other than food. And, and of course, it's like, uh, you know, the paragraph that it says, the blameless children, and it causes um, um, d- uh, disgust in friends and other people because they don't realize that it's a disease, even though... Even though I can say it and I can try to explain it, and slowly but surely people around me do understand it when they see my ups and downs, it's 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 still regarded more of a of a moral issue. And maybe it's because I also still think of it as a moral issue. Like, why do I still pick up? Why why do I still pick up that first bite when I'm still when I can still protect myself? When I think I can still protect myself. And the, when people share here that it's the mental, um, you know, the problem starts in the mind and we have no um, mental barriers against the first bite, that's calming and that's reassuring. And, and when I hear people say, uh, of, uh, share about having two decades of of recovery, not just abstinence, of recovery, it, that really brings me a lot of comfort, knowing that I'm in a place where even if I don't have the recovery I crave right now, with God's help, by doing the steps, by doing what I need to do, what everyone else is doing, I'll get there. It might take me a while, but I'll get there. And the promises and the hope is so strong that it's worth every while. So for today, I'll just do my step work, do what I need to do, do my writing, and and, and turn things over to God. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, SD. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This Leia, may I share? Uh, Leia and then Paula. Go ahead, Leia. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, not a pretty paragraph. <laughs> not a pretty paragraph. It says, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation. That means destruction of all the things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. Um, you know, what a sad analogy uh, that that the big book gives and uh, that Hoodie related to this morning about the tornado being that uh, if you've turned on your computer or cracked open your newspaper, 
maybe you've seen the images of destruction this morning of things that occurred in Oklahoma yesterday. Um, but that is the reality of my disease, and I had to take a good and hard look at that, that this was not just about obesity. Uh, this was not just about um, my cholesterol level skyrocketing or the fact that I was out of breath running up a flight of stairs at the age of 20. Um, this was about uh, much things much more far-reaching than just the physical you know, my thinking was distorted, and because that was true, my actions were distorted. And because that was true, my life was distorted. Um, you know, engulf means to swallow up. It says it brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. I mean, the reality was that... Uh, you know, interacting with me was like living in a, in a landmine because you never knew where to step. Uh, and that is the results of the disease. You know, we talk about the results of recovery, meaning that we become useful and we become, uh, you know, citizens you can depend upon and we become happy, joyous, and free. But this, this paragraph uh, details the results of disease. How about living with someone who has victim mentality, who will never take responsibility for their own behavior? How about living with someone who uh, walks around with a dark cloud hanging over their head in silent scorn? How does that feel? Uh, what about living with someone who's irresponsible or unreliable or undependable or inconsistent? Uh, you know, perhaps I should get my husband on the line to relay what that was like being married to me in that state. The unpredictability, the emotional unpredictability, the fact that when he came home from the office after a hard, uh, long day of work, he didn't know who was going to greet him at the door, a loving wife or a rageful monster. You know, how is it living with people who you have to walk around on eggshells? people that are touchy, people that are sensitive, people that are isolating, people that are depressed. What about the financial unmanageability that rears its head when we are binging without any uh, thought of consequences to the bank book? Or the lack of emotional in intimacy because we're busy making love to, uh, to the contents of a cellophane bag in a bakery box? Or the lack of physical intimacy in a marriage because you don't want anybody to touch you because your body uh, repulses yourself, let alone somebody else. There are food stains all over my relationships in the past. No wonder you need steps four through nine to clean up all that wreckage. So, I mean, this is a good, hard look. You know, I came here because I did not want to die, but also because I did not want to live in the way I once lived, because I lived in a way that was absent of any quality of life. You know, and I come here, and it doesn't always get easier. It just continues to be necessary for compulsive overeaters of my type. You know, that is the reality. But the reality is also that the program of recovery enables us to live in a way that we never dreamed possible, to be a better wife, to be a better mother, to be a better daughter, to be a better sister, to be a better worker among workers, 
to try to live to the potential that each and every one of us has because that's the way God created us to encompass those qualities. So that, you know, so this is a very painful paragraph to look at and to really try to uh, peel down the layers of denial and, and, and believe that, that um, our disease affects much more than just um, our dress size. But the reality is also that the program of recovery, which demands that to get over compulsive overeating will require a transformation of thought and attitude. And if my life is going to be be determined by how I think, what if my thinking is okay? What if my thinking is in harmony with God and these principles that are laid out in this book? Then my actions are going to reflect that, and so will my life. And what a beautiful life it is. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Paula, go ahead. Paula, you'll need to press star one to unmute your phone. That was much better. This will be still Paula recovered. And I am going to come alongside here. And it says... It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. Now, it uses the word again that we used on the bottom of the the page before, suffer. And now we see sufferers. This person isn't happy. Oh, now I got what I want. I can drink as much as I want. I can eat as much as I want. Oh, I don't care if it's a bite. I don't care if it's a drug. I don't care if it's a drink. Suffer they do. As Bill said, there is no want. Now it's need, and it doesn't matter. But the bleakness of the picture shows you the total picture. Then and only then, until you see the picture as it is, your life as it is, could there be any change? And what does it say? It brings misunderstandings. May I say, even in the halls, even in the halls, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends. Can't she get it? Can't she get it? It's all she has to do. And employers warped lives. When you try to put two pieces of wood together and one is warped, it don't fit, honey. It just don't fit no matter what you do. A blameless children. You know, may I go back to XXVIII? Come along with me. And it says, if any feel that a psychiatrist directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental. Let them stand with us a while on the firing line. What's a firing line? Honey, you're done. It's aimed. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. Let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work. I will tell you, even then, they saw the suffering of the alcoholic and all those whose lives it touched, and it touched in such a cruel way such a cruel way. It wasn't a love and touch that you'd expect from a mother, a husband, a father, a child. No. But I will tell you, until you see the picture as it is, it will remain the same. Only God himself can change the picture. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. 
Thank you, Paula. We've got time for one more share on this paragraph before we close the meeting. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on the paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much. Yes, you know, if the person has cancer, all are sorry for him. All are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt. But with this illness, but with this illness, we see something entirely different. I don't know about you, but I see people. I see people who just perhaps may suffer from the same illness that I do. And I see the looks that other people give them. You know, why can't they just stop, look at how they've let themselves go? And it's, they look at them with disgust. They look at them with misunderstanding. They see, they see people in a different way than I see those people. I think to myself, yes, perhaps they are like me. Perhaps they are like me. And don't you think they want to stop? Don't you think I wanted to stop? I did. I did. But all of my human resources, all of the self-knowledge, everything I brought to bear against the illness was of no avail. It was of no avail. Until you showed me, you showed me this illness in a way no one else had. And it was going to be the tipping point. It was going to be the turning point. It was going to be the way out, the common solution for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marsha, will you please read a vision for you? Yes, thank you, Christy. Hi, I'm Marsha, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great offense will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.